0: Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you? I am. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, It's uh, Coming up to Christmas now, are you excited? Are you
2: ready? I actually feel quite Christmassy this year. I've been to two Christmas markets so far. Uh, I've watched Love Actually and the Christmas trees up, so Christmas is, is ready to go.
1: Love Actually is the best Christmas film, I think.
2: No, it really is.
1: Uh, so I, 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 Christmas is my favourite time of year I, I enjoy it immensely I love the lights I love the the atmosphere that you get from everything I love all the shops playing all the crap music I adore Christmas this is my time it's come around so quickly as well um, oh this last year has been a blur so yeah uh, look forward to Christmas episodes coming up guys uh, whenever they come up so. <laughs>
2: uh yeah usually around christmas we tend to record a few in bulk because we have a bit more time so we'll we'll see what happens yeah we'll see what happens definitely try and do that
1: um uh, again uh apologies in advance and previously for the delay in episodes obviously we have we have mentioned it i think on the last two where uh we are so busy at, at work james's um master's degree is really ramping up now so it is it, getting a bit busier for us um so episodes obviously are coming um and yeah, so just be patient. Like, we genuinely have the best fucking listeners in the world that are so patient. Um, in fact, we've had a couple message us recently because uh, Spotify Wrapped uh, for 2021 mm. came out. And uh, it turns out for
2: quite a few of you guys, we are your number one podcast, which is amazing. Yeah, thank you for that. I yeah. was uh, That's what people do Was third on mine. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I don't want to listen back to myself. To be fair, I don't even think that's what people do made my top five. <laughs> so it's not even on there i don't i genuinely just don't listen to my own show um no because we edit it we listen back editing so that yeah that
1: counts i've already heard it anything i've said that may
2: be libelous i've already cut out so that's done oh <laughs> uh, yeah it's amazing how much actually makes the cutting room floor
1: yeah um so yeah if you guys uh have been listening to us throughout the year if we have made your year um Uh, Let us know. Uh, Drop us a couple of messages. It's been really nice to hear from some of you guys, especially from some of our friends down under. Um, It's been really good to hear from you guys to let us know that um, Mm. we've been your favorite We do try to
2: respond to everyone as well.
1: Yes, we do. We do try to respond to everyone that we hear from. Um, Like in the UK, we have a tradition where you generally tip the postman uh, for his service over the year. Um, if you would like to tip that's what people do (laughs) for services provided over the year you are more than welcome to head over to our kofi page where you can donate to the show (laughs) or if you'd like a bit more um, uh, what's the word if you'd like a bit more for your money you can always head over to the merch store like like I say it's coming up to Christmas now so if you'd like that hoodie or that top or if you'd like a mug that you can put in your work cupboard like go ahead to the store Uh, www.twpd.store and pick up some merch if you'd like a bit more for your money Um, yeah so shall we crack on James let's do it alright so this week we are going back to the wild west because it seems to be my favourite time at the moment but unlike our two part series on Why Earp go back and listen uh, we're not hanging around gunslinging outlaws or hardened lawmen no this time We're hanging out with the native people living in the southwestern region of what we now call the United States, and one particular woman who is also amongst them, a woman named Olive Oatman. But first, my favourite bit, some context. Now, in the 1820s and 30s, con man Joseph Smith was creating and refining his new religion, Mormonism, and it was relatively popular at the time. Now, unless you were from Missouri, uh, so it turns out people from Missouri absolutely hated the Mormons and their bizarre beliefs, so much so that they were frequently subject to violence or chased out of the state. In fact, there was even a Mormon war. Did you know this, James? There was a Mormon war at one point in American history. A war of Mormons. Yeah, Mormons fighting against uh, the state of Missouri or federal uh, Americans, yeah, it was it was wild. Um the Mormon history is genuinely fascinating. So if you are interested, I would I would recommend you go look back on Mormon history. Now, a federal order during this Mormon War was put out to run the Mormons out of Missouri or and this is not a joke, exterminate them. Like the Nazis did once. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, were
2: Nazis just keep coming back around, don't they? You can never <laughs> escape them.
1: They're always in history. Mormons, Mormons were to be exterminated if they could not be run out of the state. It's madness. Now, because of this, the Mormons were looking for a place where they could live and not be persecuted for their beliefs, which is ironic since America was kind of created as a safe haven for religion. But Joseph Smith had the answer. He proclaimed that the Mormon home was a place called Zion, a city created by the Mormons for the Mormons, where they could live in peace and marry as many women as they liked. I don't know if you know this, but polygamy was a big thing for Mormons
2: back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some documentaries. It just the blokes have loads of wives. Yes. Which sounds like a great system until this will get annoying and all of a sudden you've got loads of wives. (laughs) So I think there was like one dude... I think his name is
1: Brigham Young. I think he ran the Mormons for a time. I think he had like 30 wives. That's too many wives. That's too many wives. The dude had two houses. He had a house like just himself and a house where I think all the wives lived. Can you imagine? How would you even organize that? Like, did you write a timetable, like a a rota for the week? I don't get it (laughs) because I think you have like one wife is for this, one wife is for that. It's all a bit, a bit weird.
2: It's very strange. I don't yeah. not obviously, party.
1: obviously Mormons don't have uh, polygamy anymore. There is a uh, an extremist sect of uh, Mormonism that does still do that, but for the most part, Mormons don't do
2: polygamy um, because it's illegal. Um, is it? Yeah, it's illegal. Polygamy is illegal. Oh, to have actual like licensed marriages. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah obviously, yeah. I mean, if like, yeah, you're like
2: in an open relationship and you want to sleep around, that's perfectly fine.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you're married to one person and you can sleep with whoever you like and have as many girlfriends as you like, but in terms of marriage, that's not it's not a oh, thing.
2: I didn't know that. Well, there you go.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, now, unfortunately, Joseph initially wanted to build Zion in the one state that hated them the most, in Missouri. And in 1844, when he was murdered, spoiler alert, a schism along the Mormon lines began to happen. Many people began to claim that they were having prophetic visions from Jesus like Joseph Smith once did. Many of these offshoots were put down rather quickly. But the main Mormon following um, was the one that was like, no, like, this is, we'll put that down. Fuck off. Get rid of him. Kill him. If you have to. Now, one survived long enough to make an impact and had the answer to where Zion was built. And this is where we meet a guy called James C. Brewster. Now, he grew up in the fledgling religion and by the age of 10 was visited by the angel Moroni, who is the same angel that visited Joseph Smith back in the day, who led him to the golden plates that would become the Book of Mormon. Now, this drew a lot of critics, but it also brought many a believer. And when Smith died, those believers began to follow Brewster and his interpretation of Mormonism. Brewster claimed that divine revelation had revealed to him that Zion is not the home of the Mormons. It was, in fact, though, in California, in a place called Basan, way out west, and they must go now. Now, these Mormon followers were known as the Brewsterites, and this is where the subject of our episode comes in. Olive Oatman was born in 1837 in Illinois and was one of seven children born into a Mormon family following Brewsterite doctrine now I couldn't find much on Olive's early years but it's likely she did everything that most young girls of the time did you know read the bible or in this case uh, the book of Mormon Um, she'd do house chores maybe she'd learn to sew maybe she would cook you know all the standard stuff that you know a girl needs to know um, for this time not now you can do what you yeah, like get that I know. In there
2: quickly before we get good points.
1: yeah i need to get there i know many a woman who cannot do any of these things and I, I i i do enjoy cooking it just so happens that my partner is much better at it than i am so anyway yeah. <laughs> also can we just address that most of the you know top chefs in the country in the world are male i don't, you're I don't know if that's a thing. A whole, a ball i'm digging a, a hole immediately a- <laughs> Now, (laughs) I retract whatever I said. Now, it really isn't until she's around 13 or 14 uh, that we know what Olive is up to. Now, by August of 1850, Olive's parents have decided that they're going to follow Brewster out west California to find this promised land of Basan. Now, joining a wagon train of around 90 other people, they set off on the Oregon Trail. Now, we've briefly spoke about the Oregon Trail on our Why Earp series, which I recommend you try. But as a summary, it's long, it's tiring, it's mostly walking, and it's very, very dangerous. There's the risk of wild animals getting to you, there's the running out of food, there's catching diseases, or you could get shot by daddy's gun that just somewhat misfires randomly, which happened a lot more than you'd imagine. And there was the very, very rare case... When Native Americans would raid your wagon train. Now, along the way, tempers began to flare, and arguments became a daily occurrence, one of which was over the route that they were taking. See, they'd pass through an area known as Jornado del Muerto, which is the journey of death, which you probably ought not to go through. Like, if someone told you this area is called the journey of death, I'd probably find another route, no?
2: Yeah, 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 you go for the journey of life
1: journey of life or just go for the easy route like Mm. imagine there's just like a sign says journey of death and then just on the right it just says another sign easy way and you'll go for the journey of death now it was obvious why it was hot it was dry it was almost a barren landscape and the region was decorated with the remains of others who had passed through and not quite made it now after suffering this leg of the journey they decided to split from the prophet Brewster He was no longer trusted as knowing the path to the promised land and half the group split off heading to California a separate way and Olive Oatman's dad Royce became a leader of that party. Now the Oatman party carried on the harsh trail uneventfully until they reached a place called Maricopa Wells. They were told that the stretch ahead was dangerous, it was a barren land and it was full of hostile natives. But they trundled along, making it to a place called Pima Villages, which was a small outpost. They noticed that they were being watched, so they decided to stay in Pima Villages for a while to wait out any potential danger. Now, eventually, all the party opted to stay rather than risk it. Maybe the long, arduous journey and the risks ahead had whipped the religion right out of them, but the Oatmans hadn't been deterred. They were going to find the Promised Land and live their Mormon fantasy. So, without the safety of numbers, Royce Oatman led his pregnant wife and seven children across the plains on their own. Um, now, I've mentioned before that attacks by native peoples on white settlers was rare, and there is actually a reason for that. See, natives were normally quite pleasant to settlers, unlike the stories that were being told at the time, Um Oftentimes, they just wish to trade with them. Uh, Sometimes, they help them navigate the land around them. And this is because the alternative is death, (laughs) simply put. (laughs) Um, They recognize, right? They recognize that um, the US government was already pushing into native lands. And what you don't want to do is piss off anyone like that or give them any excuse to wander into your part of the world and bring their way of life into it, if that makes Mm. sense. Um, So, yeah... Uh, yeah they'll be like listen i'm not gonna antagonize you you guys have got like a lot more people than us and you guys have got a big standing army and also you have to understand right there's so many different types of tribe and nation of american indian whereas like um the united states you know in quotes was unified so could sort of muster a lot of people together at one point um also it's very important to understand that when we say indians or native american we do tend to lump everyone under the same umbrella in fact as far as as close as i could probably try and think of it in my own little world it would be like saying that everyone in the united kingdom was english which of course that's not true there's actually four you different anger
2: a lot of people by saying that
1: yeah exactly you're going to piss off a lot of people there's four different countries in the united kingdom and they all have their unique identity uh, and that's the same for native peoples, okay? So take the Iroquois. Uh, people might use the word to mean a tribe when it actually is a confederacy of five or six different native tribes, which people don't seem to understand. Uh, there's in, and in that is where you, you'll find tribes as the Mohawk um, or another one called the Seneca. And that, they all make up like this big confederacy called the Iroquois. Uh, then we've got like the Apache, which became a casual term for native peoples. So any Indian was just called Apache. Um, well, it turns out they—I think, as far as I could find out—they're actually just a tribe of their own, and they're not really related to many others. The point is, in today's America, there is over 500 recognized tribes by the U.S. states. Like they—they they recognize 500 different tribes. Now, there's likely more of them back in Olive Oatman's time, and some of them, unfortunately, were hostile to settlers. But most of them weren't. So, at the time, um, people just sort of saw Indians, Native Americans, as like this savage people that if you ever met one, they'd kill you as soon as they saw you. Which, like I'm saying, obviously, which is why I've spent the last couple of minutes trying to debunk that, that that's not necessarily the case. Um, It's just one of those that every now and then, there would be a rare incident where Native Americans would attack settlers and because those are the ones that get heard of you imagine there's loads of it going around on february 18th 1851 the fourth day of their trek they were approached by a group of around 17 natives thought to be the yavapai people naturally apprehensive and knowing that they were effectively defenseless against these guys royce asked what it was that they wanted At first, they said they were looking to trade for tobacco, which was quite common. Hoping to appease the Yavapai and send them on their way, Royce gave them what he could, and they took the tobacco. But then they demanded something else. Then they demanded food. Royce told them that he just about had enough food to feed his family on their journey, and that he didn't really have anything to spare. But unfortunately, this is one of those rare occasions where natives are not so kind to settlers. Royce, his pregnant wife and four of the Oatman children were clubbed to death by the tribe. Olive, 14, and her younger sister Mary Ann, who was seven, were kidnapped by the tribe. Her family left to rot in the open with her brother Lorenzo, who was 15, who had not quite died in the initial attack, left there to die slowly. Meanwhile, Olive and her sister Marianne were being forcibly marched to the native camp. The girls thought they were going to be killed, and there was good reason to suspect that this was going to happen, not least because they just witnessed their family being murdered, but also since settlers who had maybe never seen a native before would have only heard of stories about them, how they were referred to as savages on occasion and how fierce they were in battle, and as mentioned before, attacks on settlers were rare but not unheard of. Now, stories of savage Indians scalping settlers, just trying to farm and make an honest living. It's likely that these tales were spun in a way to make the white settler seem like the victim, when oftentimes the white settler is the aggressor, and the native is simply just protecting themselves. But because they're not the guys with the media, James and I were having a very extensive conversation before we started recording today about like the power of media... Because the natives don't necessarily have a newspaper to tell everyone their side of the story, all you get is what the white settlers are telling us, and they're telling us that Native Americans are the worst.
2: Mm. Isn't it powerful? Even though, I mean, as we've looked at in previous episodes, it's probably the other way around, let's be honest. Yes, yeah, it,
1: it mostly is just white people coming in and being like, oh, uh i hear you've got gold here and they're like yeah yeah yeah, we do but you know this is a sacred land to us so you know we don't we don't we don't it's go near it it's
2: the stories of natives uh, like teaching settlers how to hunt and live off the land and the settlers have been like oh this is amazing thanks so much and then using those skills to then kill the natives
1: yeah i know it's it's bad in it the other pie people didn't plan on killing the girls of course uh, instead they kept them as slaves to forage for food lug water from streams and collect firewood and oftentimes the girls were beaten when their uh, chores didn't quite meet the same standards of the Yavapai people now they never engrossed them into their culture they were just seen as slaves at this point less than and that's sort of how they were treated Um, but Olive recalled how insulting it felt to watch the natives cooking and eating the food that was taken from their dead family um and saying how like watching them carry on laughing and joking as if the massacre of her family was nothing more than the swatting of a fly i can imagine how Mm. fucking irritating and like you just want to like rip their heads off at this point and be like how dare you how dare you sit there and eat those like tin of beans that my dad was like i don't have enough to give you sorry and you killed them over this tin of beans like ah, imagine how hard that is Mm. Now, back at the site of the massacre, 15-year-old Lorenzo, who had been left for dead, was coming too. Around him, he saw the bloody and broken remains of his pregnant mother, his father and siblings scattered across the ground. Now, I can't even begin to imagine how you would feel seeing this and trying to take it all in. Um, he knew he needed help. See, uh, Lorenzo had actually, had been partly scalped, uh, so like his head was kind of just open. And he knew that, oh. yeah. Like he knew at this point, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fucking lucky to be alive. But I don't think I'm going to live for very long. I need to get help. Um, so he just like got up and just walked. He was like, I think this is the direction we came from. I'm going to keep going in that same direction and hope that I find someone and they can help me. Um, yeah. And luckily enough, he trekked for days on his own with his scalp just open no food like Mad. half beaten uh he could just about see and he made it to a settlement and he was treated for his wounds when he was okay to carry on um they immediately headed back to where uh, his family had been massacred uh and he wanted to bury them he was like listen I, where they are that's where they're going to get buried this is what's happening like i need to i need to end this i need to finish it and he thinks his entire family's dead um But unfortunately, due to the volcanic rocky ground where they were killed, um, there was just no way of burying them at all. You could not dig into this ground. So instead, they built a cairn, which is what the family was put into, uh, and all these Mm. rocks were just sort of placed on top of them. Um, Now, Lorenzo, when doing this, actually noticed that two of his sisters were missing. He found out, okay, Olive and Mariana are missing, and so convinced himself that they were alive Uh, and was determined to find them one day. But that's if they could survive their time with the Yavapai people. Now, having spent nearly a year with them, Olive and Mary Ann would be forgiven for thinking that this was their life now. Both the girls were adept in learning the language of their captors. They did their best to not antagonize them. However, one day, another tribe came into town. Now, these were the people of the Mojave, and they had come to trade. Now, among other goods, the daughter of the chief, Topeka, saw both Olive and Mary Ann and the state that they were in. She wanted to purchase the white girls. The Yavapai rejected the first offer, but the second offer of two horses, food, blankets and beads, proved too tempting an offer, and before they knew it, the girls were walking for days again to another camp, with a new tribe, unaware of what was in store for them. Now, before i carry on i just trying to like get into the mind of the girls and how they were thinking at this point like you've spent nearly a year with these like nasty tribe that they're not brilliant to you but i can just imagine right and this probably sounds really weird i can just imagine that you'd want to stay where you were if if i'm to like sort of try and explain it in the way the girls only interaction with native people has been such a horrific ordeal that they probably expected the same treatment, if not worse, from this new Mojave people that have just taken them away. Um, and mm-hmm. at least they'd begun to learn the language of the Yavapai captives they had. So they could maybe somewhat predict the mood at times. Whereas now they're just going to somewhere new where they maybe the language differs a little bit or is a bit of a different dialect and they maybe just don't understand what these guys are about. Maybe they just assume they're the same. I don't know. I just I wonder you'd think... No, I'd rather just stay. I know I understand this. It's shit, but I understand it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know if you're going to go to somewhere where you're going to like be tortured or something, for example. No,
1: exactly. Exactly that. Exactly that. You don't know if these guys that are taking you could be fucking worse. These guys might be the guys that kill us. These guys have not... The guys that I've been with, I've been with for a year now, and they haven't killed me yet, so that's a bonus. These guys, I don't know what they're about. Now, luckily for them harvey were a more peaceful people mm. now i mean hey, <laughs> yeah i know right yeah they built that up and it just was like no nope, these guys are fine <laughs> now immediately the girls were taken in by the family of the chief his wife and daughter took a very keen interest in the girls asking them lots of questions and car- and, and caring for them olive and her sister were no longer slaves here they were treated kindly They observed from both tribes that women worked just as hard in the community as men do, and they were expected to do the same. Unable to hunt or deal with the mess that came with preparing animals for food, the girls were given land to cultivate and farm crops on. They were expected to contribute to the community and assimilate into the culture, and they did. They quite took to it. In fact, in time, Olive was given a clan name. She would be called Oach. And she was also given a nickname, which supposedly is a very common thing among the community and showed a level of affection for one another, which is kind of cool. But these nicknames are... They're not they are not all nice nicknames. It does seem, funny enough, that the Mojave people understood roasting one another and sarcasm, maybe, <laughs> um, which I find quite funny. Um, since Olive's nickname apparently was spencer now i've tried to do some digging into what this name means and some sources say it has something to do with unquenchable lust or thirst and others say it has something to do with being barren and unable to have children so
2: fucking hell yeah
1: i know So it's probably like you're taking the mickey out this one thing uh and that's your nickname that's kind of what you're known for so it's either like it's and they're, they're quite nice to her like they're nice to Olive and her sister they're not horrible but they've given her this awful nickname they're like oh so you're like Eva you know they think she's a bit of a a bit of a, a layabout or so like maybe she lays with a couple of men uh, and and she's unable to produce children from the process of doing that so they just assume that she's barren she can't have kids maybe we don't know Um but what a name like that's your nickname now you're known for either being a horny devil or you, you can't have kids
2: I mean, hey, if they're not killing you or treating you badly, call me what you want. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, Now, Olive would never have
1: biological children in her lifetime, so, you know, it it could be true. It might be that she was just unable to have them. Um, But the most striking feature and biggest clue we have to suggest that Olive assimilated into the culture was her distinctive chin tattoo. Uh, now, whilst I do that, James, you're going to quickly Google on your mobile Olive mm-hmm. Oatman and then have a look at her chin tattoo because I'll be honest with you, I think it looks really cool.
2: Whoa. Obviously, I've got pictures here that have been colorized. The colorized ones are my favorite. It looks quite like the black and white ones. It looks like she's had some sort of deformity. They look like scars. Yeah. It basically looks like her mouth just extends further than it should. Yeah. So
1: um, for those obviously obviously listening, this is not good podcast uh, material. Um, So I will describe the tattoo for you. I mean, uh, by all means, have a quick little Google or uh, jump on our uh, social media where you'll see a very well put together picture by myself um, that shows her uh, lovely chin tattoo. Um, Now, there's actually five uh, lines that go straight down from her lip to the bottom of her chin. Uh, and on the ends uh so on the on the lines that, on the ends of her mouth there are like two triangles on either side and they sort of just point outwards um and like i say man i honestly think it looks really cool and it actually suits her
2: <laughs> i mean it definitely adds character yeah
1: I yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm say it, Olive Oatman is she's a, a, a she's a looker for her time. I think because most Victorian women and like you know in in and men as
2: well in their pictures they always look so dour and miserable. She's um, quite harsh looking, but I think after everything she's been through, that's completely fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apparently, there's a apparently this is true. Most Victorian images, you know, why they never smile? It's because the pictures took too bloody long, so they couldn't yeah. hold the smile. <laughs> I like I say, think it looks really cool, but for the time, white American society would have seen it as a bit of an eyesore. Now, there was a theory that the Oatman sisters were tattooed to show that they were slaves of the Mojave, and if they ran away, people would know who they belonged to. But recent research seems to indicate that this is not the case. It seems that it's actually very common for Mojave women to have facial tattoos. It seems to have been a way uh, to identify one another in the afterlife, and giving both Olive and her sister the same tattoos appears to be a sign of affection, hoping that they would be able to join the Mo- join the Mojave in the afterlife, which seems quite nice. So that like um, almost uh, gives credence to this idea that maybe Olive did assimilate into the culture and actually d- didn't mind being part of it. I don't know. What it do does, you think, it does James? Seem so way.
2: Yeah. maybe there's a bit of um, Stockholm syndrome as well.
1: Oh, possibly another th- another uh, sort of a uh, bit of evidence apparently to uh, as to why um, she was comfortable in him is actually the the way the tattoo was done nicely in terms of it's not it's not done badly it's that the lines are clean everything looks nice and clean the tattoo's good and they're saying that obviously a tattoo at this time and in, uh, in history is not like a, an easy sit down session like we have now. It's a harsh thing. Like it's on your face as well. Like it would be a bit uncomfortable. So if you really don't want it done, they think that it would either be half done or it would look really messy. But the fact that it looks clean suggests that
2: maybe she was okay with it being done. Hmm. It 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 does look clean. It does look very well done. It it would be a like a is it called stick and poke, needle and poke, whatever. Where they call yeah, it, exactly. It would hurt like hell.
1: It would hurt, and it's a long, long, long session. <laughs> Now, as assimilated as Olive was to the culture, her little sister, Mary Ann, never really took to it so much. Olive described how her sister yearned to join the better world where her mother and father had gone, which sounds really sad. That's that's not very nice. She's only seven when her parents died, and even like a year or two later, she's like, I want to just join that better world that my mum and dad are in. I don't want to be here. Mm. Um, now, unfortunately, she would get her wish, Between 1855 and uh, 1856 there was a drought and food was scarce for the community. Olive and Mary Ann had been with the tribe three or four years at this point. Olive now 17 and Mary Ann now 10. The tribe did their best to uh, ration out what little food they had and Olive and her sister lived on gruel that was barely enough to sustain them. Now, Olive would go out, wander for days on end, looking for birds' nests filled with eggs. Maybe she'd, like, pull roots from the ground that would be enough to, like, make a stew, but it just wasn't enough. Unfortunately, Mary Ann wouldn't survive. She died of starvation aged 11. Now, local tradition dictated that the dead would be cremated, but the chief's wife pleaded with him on Olive's behalf to let her bury her sister, according to her own traditions out in West which he the chief's wife allowed. sounds
2: fucking. She sounds like a, a good a good egg. Yeah. So
1: the chief's wife and the chief's daughter are the two that like really kind of took to Olive and uh, her sister. In fact, I think Olive says about the chief's wife as almost being like you know the kindest people that she's probably mm. ever met and how nice they were to her. Um, she has nothing but nice things to say about them, which is really nice to hear. Now, with the death of her sister. Olive likely went all in with the tribe. You see, her last contact with her former life was now gone. Bear in mind, she has no idea that her brother Lorenzo survived. So all she knows is it's her and her sister. And now her sister's gone. There's nothing to sort of connect her to the Western world anymore. So you might as well just go all in. Um, The Mojave were her family now. It's not like she didn't have a chance... Uh, and, and Sorry, it's not like she didn't have a chance to rejoin her old life either, which is really interesting here. So the Mojave on many occasions told Olive that she could go back to her old life at any time, but the, that they would not be the ones to take her, which sounds harsh, but it's actually a very smart thing from them, and it's, it's simply to protect the tribe.
2: You see... Oh, yeah, sure. if they rock up with this white girl... Absolutely. They're going to assume that that she's been kidnapped. Absolutely. See, if a white settlement saw a group of
1: natives bringing back a white girl after years away, wearing traditional gear and a face tattoo, I mean, it's likely there'd be deadly repercussions for the yeah, natives. It's not going right? to go down well. No, absolutely not. And bear in mind as well, the native clothing, uh, native uh, traditional gear that they wore especially for women um they never wore anything on the top half so they just wore like a some sort of like a skirt or a bottom half just to protect the the goods downstairs but they 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 just wore everything topless um and olive and her sister become accustomed to doing that as well so they were just totally fine with it as far as we know um so imagine if she just rocked up and they're like uh okay that's what the fuck have you done to her (laughs) we're gonna Mm. kill you all for that um so yeah um If Olive wanted to leave, she could do so on her own terms, but she never did. Now, she also had a couple of opportunities to leave with white settlers who came to the camp. You see, a group of white people came to the camp looking to trade. Olive actually hid away to make herself not known to them, which is interesting. And another opportunity arose when around 200 white men came to live around the tribe for a week surveying the land for a railroad to be built olive never once made contact expressing a desire to leave which is interesting now of course we could say that maybe the mojave were saying "Look, look you're not allowed to leave you're not allowed to go out you're not allowed to interact with them because it protects the tribe olive as well may have decided that for the betterment of the tribe if i was to go and make myself known it could possibly damage all these people that i've lived with for the last couple of years and i don't want to do that or maybe she just thought i don't really want to go back We don't know which one's which, but I just... Yeah, what life has she got to return to? Exactly. Her life is with the tribe now. Exactly. She has no money. She has no family. She has nothing. Absolutely nothing. At least here, she's built up a life for about three or four years. Now, back to brother Lorenzo, who's now in his early 20s, he's he's doing all right for himself he's joined many many expeditions with explorers and prospectors hoping to one day come across his sisters or find some morsel of information that could help him find them i have to give credit to brother lorenzo here because even in his early 20s four or five years along the line he's like no i'm going to keep looking for them. uh they're out there somewhere and i'm going to keep looking for them until i find them and i i take my hat off Good Eve, uh, so right, so Lorenzo went out he was trying to find as much information as he could he even asked the governor of California for help in the search now they wouldn't help him they were like we've got no power to help you sorry but that didn't deter him see Lorenzo made sure to keep his story um, alive by talking about his sisters wherever he could he told every single person that would listen about his family and about his sisters about the, the fact that they're alive and they are somewhere with a native tribe and of course, his his uh, perspective on natives is going to be like a negative one, of course, because he only has reference to his parents being murdered and his sisters being kidnapped. And obviously, Olive is living a completely different lifestyle. Like she's seen a different side to, you know, native peoples, which I find interesting. Um, mm. Now, eventually, enough people knew about the Oatman massacre and that two of the girls were still alive. Surely, someone will have come across something. And it just so happens that one man did. A man named Henry Grinnell was passing through Fort Yuma when he heard the story of two girls kidnapped by native peoples. Being an inquisitive person, he asked around. He asked so many questions that he eventually came across a native from the Yuma nation called Francisco. Grinnell told Francisco that the US government knew that a native tribe was holding captive an American girl, and that they would go to war to find them unless their captors were to free them beforehand. All the while, Grinnell was pretending to read this from a newspaper to try to trick Francisco into believing that this is fact. <laughs> He's not pretending and just sort of lying to him or whatever. He's like, listen, I- I- I've I've seen this in the newspapers that they're saying that they're going to go to war and like murder all of you unless you let this girl go go. Um, Now unaware of the ruse and likely frightened of potential repercussions Francisco told Grinnell that he would be able to secure the girl's safety Francisco made his way to the Mojave people telling them what he had learned The Mojave denied having Olive claiming that she was not an American She was from another tribe out far west You wouldn't know her, she goes to another school And Francisco pressed the matter They brought in Olive and allowed her to know what was happening we don't know if that they we don't know if they asked her what she wanted, but in my opinion I think she would have stayed if she was given the choice. But it may not have been her choice. The fear of any potential backlash with the whites for having her stay was too great. They settled on a trade of blankets and a white horse, and Olive, after five years away, said her final goodbyes. She visited her sister's grave for one last time and spent the next twenty days travelling to Fort Yuma where she would be starting a new life once again. Now just outside the camp an army officer's wife met her to give her some western clothing since Olive had grown accustomed to the native fashion where women wore nothing on their top half. When she entered the fort there were cheers from people as if this was a victory of the white man over the natives. Which sounds a bit it. Uh, it just feels dirty in a way. Like they're all cheering. Oh, we got this white girl back, and all the while, Olive has got her head in her hands and she's crying when she's brought into this fort. Well, now uh, we don't know why. We don't know why. Um, but I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Now, it did take a while for Olive to reacclimatize back into Western society. You see, um. Funny enough, Olive had been speaking the native language for so long, she'd almost forgotten how to speak English again. Mm. And one woman who befriended Olive claimed that when Olive came into fort crying, and she cried for a lot of the time whilst there, she claimed that her sadness came from leaving her Mojave husband and her two sons behind in the camp. Which, we believe this not to be true. Mainly because mojave historians have stated that if if olive had married and had children there would be mixed race kids running around the camp and we'd all know about it yeah plus her nickname seems to indicate that she was unable to have children remember she was called spencer which we think means that she was you know barren um, and whatnot mm-hmm. so the fact that we think she was unable to have kids so she may have been with a mojave man uh but never had children um, now it seems more likely that she was just sad at the life that she'd left. You know, she'd managed to claw together some form of life for her over the last five years, and it's now gone. And now she has to start all over again from the bottom, with no money, no home, no land, no family, no
2: nothing. That must be really, really scary. I mean, it's not ideal, is it? She's literally got nothing. Uh, it probably would have been better with her first to stay with the tribe. I
1: think so, and I think I. I honestly think she might have wanted to stay with them. But I think she understood as well that by staying puts them in danger, possibly.
2: Yeah, she's got to do what's best for them. Now,
1: when Lorenzo heard the story of a white girl being rescued from a native group, he believed it immediately to be his sister. He met with Olive at Fort Yuma and their reunion made the papers. It must have been a bittersweet moment, though, the excitement of finally finding his sisters that he's been looking for for the last five years to then only find out that one of them had died, that must have been hard, you know. He spent the last, he knows they're both alive and then he meets them and up like, well, where's, where's Marianne? Yeah, she died. Ah, oh, fuck. That must have been hard. Now, Olive would spend the next couple of years with brother Lorenzo as she readjusted to Western life. When they were approached by a pastor named royal b stratton who wanted to write a book on her experience she agreed and they spent the next couple of years touring america where olive would speak publicly about her experience the book itself although being written as close to the time as the events um, is not one that ought to be treated as gospel there were many exaggerations and embellishments in the book added by pastor stratton and not consulted with olive over she would in later life condemn elements of the book for falsehood such as the tattoo on her face being a mark of a slave maybe olive wasn't keen on the book but she knew that it would you know make her and her brother enough money to sustain themselves so i think it's one of those she just kind of put up with it mm. maybe she understood that you know i need this I, I do need if I want to get back on track if I want to have some sort of foothold in this world where money rules I need I need this now yeah for her and her brother and um, the proceeds of the book would help them go to university and graduate which is good and it would help them set up some sort of life Lorenzo and olive would eventually go their separate ways Lorenzo married and lived the rest of his life with his wife dying unexpectedly in 1901 olive, would go on to marry a cattleman named John Fairchild. They may have bonded over the fact that John had also suffered the loss of a loved one to a native attack. They would never have biological children, but they would adopt a little girl named Mary Elizabeth, uh, who was named after both of their mothers. They would live out Mm. the rest of their life in Sherman, Texas, where they lived in a nice mansion. Now, despite her wearing a veil and makeup every now and then to cover up her face tattoo... At home, Olive seems to have worn it proudly. She kept up the part of the Mojave life um, in that she went to New York to meet with a Mojave leader who was acting as a mediator between the Mojave and the US. They spoke about old times and Olive described her encounter with him as a meeting between friends. Olive always kept a jar of hazelnuts in the kitchen hazelnuts being a staple food of the mojave so it's like she always just kept that there Mm. as maybe a reminder as being like i always need this if ever shit goes down i've always got a jar of hazelnuts maybe i I quite like that i quite like that i think that's really nice olive would die in 1903 of a heart attack aged 65 and that's the story of olive oatman that's a mad life she's led it's crazy like yeah i find it really fascinating and and like i say honestly go check out the image on our socials uh that's wpd on instagram and go look at the picture of her with a distinctive tattoo like imagine like just uh, supposedly she's the first white woman in america to have a tattoo i don't know how they found that out but apparently that's the fact that she was the first white woman in america to have a tattoo um and i just like the story behind that tattoo and um, what a life she's lived
2: yeah now it could have gone very wrong if she stayed with the, the first tribe as well just being been a slave absolutely forever. yeah she could have been a slave forever and died was
1: one instead she went to another place and she seems to have thrived um, amongst them now um, I find it interesting uh, to think how many films seem to be based loosely on the life of Olive Oatman uh, so let's say Dances with Wolves have you seen that
2: I've never seen it no I know it's a classic that like, I should but no never
1: have. Uh, it's it's classic yeah Kevin Costner American General or whatever in like he like, joins the natives and lives with the natives for a bit and I think there is a white woman in there that I think is loosely based on Olive Oatman. Uh, Avatar you know yeah, uh, yeah yeah I've
2: seen that Obviously, I've seen Avatar.
1: Yeah yeah like Avatar's kind of like that where he's like joins the natives and he sees a different side to them uh The Last Samurai
2: yeah, yeah. Even though that film just makes no fucking is it, sense,
1: these are all the same story. Do you know what I mean? Like, th- but but there is a recurring theme. I find having looked back on these now, um, and that theme is: if you stop being prejudiced and spend time with and learn about something you don't know, you become more sympathetic toward it. Um,
2: is my is my lesson no, that course, we ought to of course learn? That is that is true. I think yeah, it could be said a lot in, in modern society as well. People are very happy in their way of life, and they're not even interested in learning about other people's ways of life. They just assume they're wrong.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, if if there were if there were moral stories to be taken away from this pod, which very often there isn't, um, it is uh, to not be a dick and just you know listen to people that you've may never met before. Like just speak to them. You know, like when I grew up when I was growing up, and, and James yourself, there was the war in Afghanistan, right? I, at the time, was an army cadet, and all we wanted to do, and this is awful, all I wanted to do as a 15-year-old was join the army so that I could go to Afghanistan and like, be a part of that war. Which is awful, because like, like it's just a 15-year-old. You've no got like no real thoughts and no real opinions on anything. And like, I grew up with this attitude that, you know, people that are from Afghanistan and the Taliban, that they're just the same. They're all the same. Like that's, because that, that's what you're drilled to think as a kid, right? And that's what the, the sort of, the mood was at the time. Now, when I grow up, like, having had more experience and having met people from Afghanistan and having met people of, of a Muslim culture and whatnot and religion and that, like, and you realize, no, actually, this is not what you're about. And that's just, this is not true. And, like, all it takes is, like, I honestly, I do think that, like, things like racism and homophobia and all that kind of stuff could be ended if these people that have these opinions on them would just meet the people they're afraid of.
2: This there's a guy I I forgive me I forget his name but he he's a black guy in America and he goes to KKK rallies and he just chats to people as oh, right, yeah. friends and the amount of people that he's got to reconsider their views and everything just by being their friend is fantastic. He's sat with like ex KKK chiefs who is now good friends with just because yeah. they've taken the time just to speak to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I it's amazing how much of a difference can be made by just sitting down and speaking to those people that you've nothing you know nothing about. Mm. Like and this is the same like you know, it's the same with the Olive Oatman story, you know, uh, most na- most American settlers all they know about uh natives is that they are savage people that will murder you as soon as see you. And that's what a lot of people today might have an opinion on with, like, um, people of the Muslim faith, that maybe they're all terrorists and whatnot. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like, we know many a Muslim that we've worked with at Dungeon. Take Muneer, that we know who's in The Last Pirate Kingdom on Netflix. It's a really sick oh, show. F- like, one of the funniest men I've ever met. is such a lovely man. Like, he's such a great guy. And And you think... If if I could get those people that are racist toward like Muslims or whatever, or have this opinion about Muslims in general, who who put them under the same umbrella, if I could get you to sit down with Manir for ten
2: minutes, like you you, you all your prejudice about them would just change. Mm, I, I think it's very important on on a, sort of a smaller scale to get out of your hometown as well, Absolutely. because you'll find that hometowns are very much everyone sort of shares the same opinion, everything's. You you need to get out and experience different people. Like me going to uni, I met people that I'd never fucking meet before. And my viewpoints on the world changed. And I go home now and I speak to people that haven't left. And it's just, I don't want to shit on them because of their views and what have you. Everyone's in touch, their own opinion. But they haven't experienced the world enough to justify their views. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I completely agree. But going to university was the best thing I ever done as as a person in terms of growing as a person. I learned so much about different people. You just Um, get
2: thrown into this cauldron with so many different people from different cultures, walks of life, international students. It's so important.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, like I say, if if there is anything to take away from this, it's go speak to people you don't know. Go speak to those people uh, about cultures that you're totally unaware of and learn, learn from them. And honestly, your opinion will change.
2: (laughs) It's it's like the current refugee um, crisis at the minute where obviously there's a big thing of how to stop refugees crossing the english channel a a lot of people are just seeing them as people just wanting to get into our country and leech off the state when in reality it's so much deeper than that you need to look at where they've come from why they're coming
1: yeah yeah absolutely. what they're
2: running from it's just it's it's fucking it's barbaric that you dehumanize someone to the point of when they drown in the sea it's a news story for a day and nothing more Totally. And if you just sit down with them for maybe 10 minutes and just
1: ask, like, why are you doing this? And you might hear awful stories about how, you know, their family have been murdered and they think they're going to be next and they need to get out of this place. Yeah, Yeah, I find it bizarre. And I also find if these people were white, would you be bothered? Probably not. I don't know.
2: Probably not. It's yeah, there's a lot we can... Can learn from each yeah. other and it's I important mean, to learn from each take,
1: other if, if we can look back in history a moment where this has happened uh during the second world war or it might be in the first one of the world wars you know there's been two um britain took in a lot of belgians like we took in a lot of belgians who were like running away um from war and we took them in and took them into our homes and looked after them and said listen you can stay as long as you need to like this is a safe haven for you and yet you know, uh,
2: eight years on, it's happened again, but we don't mm. like them because they're brown. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. It's in. But then in the Second World War, obviously with Kristallnacht and Kinder Transport, we um, took in a lot of Jewish children to yeah. just harbour because the Germans allowed them to escape the country. Yeah. And obviously they weren't persecuted as much as they were in Germany, obviously, but they were still subjected to quite vicious anti-Semitism in this country. Oh, for sure yeah no no we weren't perfect
1: back then either but yeah, i find it interesting like i said go out and uh, you know meet meet people from different cultures and different faiths and whatnot and just speak to them for five minutes obviously you know it's very yeah. apparent on the pod about our feelings on religion it doesn't mean to say that we've not spent time with people of other faiths talking to them and asking questions and whatnot and i think that's oh healthy. no and if
2: your religion makes you a better person then power to you carry on
1: yeah yeah so anyway i hope you enjoyed our episode on olive oatman i hope it's been insightful i hope it's encouraged you to maybe look a bit more into uh old-timey western america um because there are some fascinating stories
2: around that era um i would advise i, love anyone I would say old-timey america was when what 100 years ago i know isn't ago. it mad how like
1: america's history is just like five minutes for british history
2: <laughs> yeah i used to work in a building that was built a thousand years ago yeah,
1: I mean, America history is British history, I suppose. I I don't see you guys as any different. You're still one of us. No, is that is that too? Is that weird to say?
2: No. <laughs> yeah, there's cousins across the pond. Cousins. What's going to happen? Obviously, I, I read this thing the other day. A, a very a, much aside this, where Meghan Markle cannot become the president if she wanted to because she's married to a royal, and there's like legislation being the royals cannot have anything to do with American government. Oh, very very interesting. So if she, if she, because obviously, if she became president, suddenly the royals are heavily involved in U.S. government again, and we're just back to square one that's right that's right although i do like that there was there's, there was a little uh thing going around
1: on twitter that saying this was the royals long game to get back america in, in yeah, a, yeah yeah <laughs> they planned it from the start planned it from the start <laughs> i just imagine a picture of arson wenger just being like he's done it again <laughs> <laughs> um oh i love it when we're putting football references that someone in australia is just not going to get <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah uh, James do we have any idea what we're talking about on the next episode because uh, are we not going are uh, we, we going clue, Christmassy or my,
2: who was my last one Guy Fawkes what's the date It's I could do something relatively Christmassy I don't know I'll have a go was Guy Fawkes a bad guy or a good guy it depends on what side your fence you're sitting on
1: oh yeah it depends um, on your religion uh, no I I'll think he's guy, he was a bad guy
2: I think he was a bad guy because I got a good yeah,
1: one yeah well, I'll, I'll try and get someone nice okay because remember James now my next one is a bad person and we're coming up to Christmas so um, Is it a bad Christmas person? I'm going to have to try and find a bad Christmas story to tell and just, you know, yeah. Sorry, everyone. I, I will try my best to find a bad Christmas story.
2: <laughs> All right, we'll right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it you,
1: out. And, uh... Okay, then, guys, uh, join us. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say next week because that probably is not going to happen. Uh, join us for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try and bulk some episodes, I promise. Uh, join us for the next episode. Uh, we're going to get some. We're going to get festive here. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure you check out all the socials. Make sure you follow us on all the socials. Of course, uh, if you'd like to donate to the show, of course you can do so. Uh, if you'd like to buy some merch, um, there's also a link to that on our socials so that's the best place to find us uh keep dropping messages if you uh have said hello recently hi thank you very appreciative keep dropping us messages it's been so cool to hear from you guys say merry christmas and i'll say it back i promise um yeah thank you very much for listening we'll see you next one